Hello, I'm John Ryan. And I'm J.D. Orr, and this is the Hooter Goes Ham USA Handball Podcast. All right. All right, we're going to turn into, we're going to turn into transfer talk. Uh, who's the big guy in the U.S.? I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Oh, Adam Schefter. Adam Schefter. Uh, the Rasmus Boysen, that's what we're, we're taking his thunder here. <laughs> well, you know, I, 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 I tagged him, but uh, I don't think it's I don't think it's significant enough anymore. And uh, maybe he's moved on to more of a broader uh, handball entity influencer, if you will. Yeah. But yeah, yep. let's uh, let's let's talk about the big news here. I'm going to go ahead and share the screen. Yeah. So while John pulls that up, uh, Ian Hooter, captain. Uh, the U.S. men's national team for the last few years has spent the entirety of, correct me if I'm wrong, the entirety of his playing career uh, at TSV Dormagen. Bear somebody else prior to the age of 10. Okay. <laughs> so uh, almost his entire handball career, he and his brother Patrick. So, yeah. So, so he's moving, he's moving to another. Uh, second division HBL two club, um, that uh, is currently in third place. ASV Ham Westfallen. Um, they were actually in the Bundesliga uh, either the previous year or the year before, and they fell back down. Um, they have a. Have you ever heard of the term elevator elevator clubs? No, but I can get the gist of, uh, you know, they're right on that, you know, bottom of one and top of the other kind of They go up, spot. they go down, they go up, they go down. Um, and there's most, most of the leagues have a few clubs like that, that, uh, they're, they're right on the cusp. You know, they, they, uh, they, they struggle to compete in the first division, but they go back down to the second division and they're, you know, once again, competitive to to go right back up. So they're they kind of have one foot in both uh, both uh, both leagues, if you will. Yeah, I think it's a it's a definitely a good show of you know how the relegation system you know really puts the right teams in the right spot because you know it's it's definitely tough for this kind of club to be you know it's definitely a monetary adjustment, obviously between jumping between leagues, but. I think it it definitely shows you like what you you know you're no there's no hiding what you are so yeah it uh, it, it it makes it it makes it real challenging. I mean we don't want to go into a whole promotion yeah. versus franchise model issue maybe maybe for another episode but yeah. um, it it makes it really challenging for those clubs because a lot of times they. They may may have to uh, upgrade their rosters or downgrade their rosters because they don't have enough money anymore. Um, I'm not Ian's agent, but I sure hope there was some discussion of where he fit in with the team, whether they went up or they went down. Sounds like it. Sounds like there is based on uh, based on his comments. Well, that's definitely good, you know, and that's what we want from our American players to continue to, you know, get into better systems, get into, you know, bigger name clubs, get more notoriety. So uh, I think overall pretty good, 
fit. Yeah. You know, they, um, I, 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 I sent a message to a handball world guy that I communicate with regularly. I said, Oh, where, where would he fit in the pecking order on the center backs for that team? And, um, he felt pretty comfortable that he would fit right in and, and get some good playing time, uh, with their current roster that they have. So, um, and I, I messaged Ian. I said, like, you know, if, even if you go down, you're you're in a club that that's ambitious. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I interviewed both him and Patrick a few years ago, and uh, I don't I don't know him real well. I've talked to him a few times, but sometimes you get the sense, you know, that uh, and, and he says there it wasn't an easy decision. It's like a family to me. Yeah. Um, and that's a great environment, but sometimes, you know, in order to grow, you have to spread your wings. Spread the wings. And, uh, yep. This is a good opportunity, you know, different environment, uh, different different challenges, different working working with different players. Even if he's playing in the same league, it's going to be uh, a new experience for him. One that I think a uh, good chance of uh, helping him out. And if he goes up to the first – First division, even yeah. all the better. Yeah, exactly. You know, when was the last? Uh, when was the last American to be in the the first league? And I don't think. Well, oh yeah. Um, uh, there's, I think there's one guy. Oh, I was, I even, Yep, I wasn't even he thinking. He played for Hanover, and yep. he, he they were, you know, uh, upper part of the table team. He played in the uh, European League uh, last season too. Um, they went to the they went to the German Final Four while he was with them. So, um, but who who would be the other? And that's where, yeah, based on your reaction, I might have some misinformation. I I was under the impression there was a goalkeeper that early two thousands, maybe late nineties. I don't know his name. Um, that he was in the first league. Uh, not that I'm aware of. I okay. mean, Kessler, Kessler would have been like late '80s, early '90s. That would have been before yeah. my time. So that's that's a possibility. Um, did Kessler uh, play in in Europe? I don't know for sure. And if he did, okay. I, I would have thought Germany. I mean, uh, okay. Spain. But I, I could be wrong. Um, and, and I it was thought, I, it was I before my it was, time, uh, before the internet okay. that they wouldn't yeah. have. Good any, publicity of it happening. Okay, so. I'll have to go do some some research. I I could have sworn it was um uh, and I, like a stateside guy, and so that's where it was just like one of those flew under the radar kind of stories. So um, I'll see nobody what I can dig from, up. Nobody from my generation. Okay, like uh, one of the '96 goalies played like in Switzerland. He was a Swiss U.S. citizen, okay. but uh, um, I don't think he had played in the Bundesliga. And then, so anybody, anybody my age and younger, yeah. boy, they really, <laughs> they were really under the radar. They were playing in the yep. Bundesliga, yeah, and they didn't yeah. know about it. Uh, so okay, I don't want to that, that, get that too far off me, tangent. I'll go. I'll go a little bit of a tangent. One of my favorite handball stories. I'll link to it. Is uh, uh, there was a player named Kalman for Finland. And uh, okay. Finland, you know, they're an average team. 
and we played them in uh, a couple friendlies before the world championships in 93. And I just had no idea how good this guy was. <laughs> and, and after, after the match, they had, uh, we had like tape review and mm -hmm. there's, there's, there's like this, I, I, I can still see coach, you know, showing it. I'm like on defense and I'm like, I'm crouched down. Cause this guy's already beaten me a couple times. Yeah. And I'm I'm like ready to stop him, and I am just you know intensely ready. And uh, he had, he had just talked to his other teammates, and he said like, I don't know finish, but he said like, move to the side. This guy he's too slow. He cannot he cannot keep up with me. Yep. And he came right at me, and I'm like he ain't getting by me this time. And he he stopped both feet, jumped straight up in the air. And threw a BB into the left hand corner, and, and 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 I was like, you know, ready for him to go by me, and I'm like slowly yeah. moving my arms like, up. Oh crap! <laughs> and, and 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 Coach Morris, he, he he hits the pause button, and he goes, John, what what are you doing? And I'm like, well, this guy is really good, and. And he goes, stop. He's the MVP of the Bundesliga. And my answer to that was, what is the Bundesliga? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I mean, maybe I should have known a little bit, you know, like Bunda and, and Bundeswehr. That's like the put, put German to, military. Yeah, yeah. I had no – I didn't even know Bundesliga was Germany, German back then. You know, it was that far removed from me. Yeah, yeah. But he, that's after I said that, he just went like, he yep. just he was just like, I can't believe this. Can't but help this guy. <laughs> it's one of my all time favorite stories. I'm sorry I went on a no, on a, that's like, good. A side track. We had a, a very similar one with those two kids going to meet Peter Bredstorff Larson. So, uh, you know, they didn't know who Michael Hansen was, and I was like, oh my gosh, guys, we're in Denmark, get it together. So, <laughs> well. I, Mikhail Hansen, he was infamously called, uh, you know, the board member uh, yep. at the meeting in Salt Lake. Is that Thor? <laughs> Literally, yes. I was like, oh my god. Yeah. Anyway, um, oh. here's your interview there with the the Huta brothers. They got a nice tie to San Francisco. They they head back there. I, I'd say almost every summer, um, or at least every other year, they come back and visit family and whatnot. So, yeah. so if you if, if you haven't listened to this podcast, I encourage people to, if they're curious and they talk a little bit right here and there. I had it queued up, you know, what it would be like for either of them to play in the first division, in the pros and cons. So they were already thinking about it, um, you know, three years ago. So it's yeah. it's nice, and he hasn't. You know, like I said, Ham has to get promoted. They're in a they're in a dogfight, so we'll we'll see what happens. But uh, I'm certainly rooting for them now to to uh, get one of those two spots to get promoted. Um, let's chat about another player who I am told has U.S. connections. Yeah, well, Alfie Alfie Johnson. So um, I, I sent this over to John uh, earlier this or last week. Uh, great little nine meter set shot here from Alfred Johnson. 
uh, Skjern, you know, they were doing a little bit of a dig at the French by, uh, uh, see, they, I think the comment was, see how he didn't jump or something like that. And a you winky know, that, face. That was a, Rasmus. I, I, oh, I'm was Rasmus. Sure. Okay. He works for, he works for Skjern. Oh, okay. Okay. So if it That's... wasn't him doing it, it was him telling somebody, somebody to, to, to do it. it. I, I, nice. I bet you. Yeah. So they put a Swedish flag and I, I commented, uh, an American flag with him. So, um, you know, I have never talked to to Alfred. Uh, I obviously talked to Coach Hedin about uh, him and whatnot, and um, he was on the he was on the World Championship roster for Sweden, I believe, or he was on the Euro roster not this past Euros, the previous Euros with Sweden, uh, but now he's on the outside looking in. So um, potentially another you know backcourt player that could find his way into the the squad. Yeah. So I you know, I, I assume he has American citizenship or it can it can be gotten. Um uh, so th- there's a definite connection there. Um he seems to have some possible interest. So um you know with, with Sweden fairly well set now, 2028's on the horizon. Uh, like I said, I don't know him from Adam, but you know, if it was me, I would be thinking about that or, you know, maybe, maybe I just want to focus on my club career. Um, it's, it's, it's hard to say, but, uh, um, yeah, I, 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 I guess Ian would move to right back. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. It'd be, you know, we could use another, you know, guy with a, a left-hander. Yeah, that would be nice. That would maybe, be nice. Yeah. I mean, maybe the, uh, Matthias Gitzel has like uh, some relative or something with got a great great grandparent. <laughs> oh man, who knows? Who knows? Uh, yeah, that, uh, these guys come out of the woodwork, uh, you know, as we've talked about before, just you know, finding recruiting and you know, constantly just sifting through people because you know, we'll get emails from guys in random countries that say, Hey, you know, I'd like to play for Jimmy. I say, Well. If you don't have any proof, it doesn't really get you anywhere. You know, I have to explain to them the process, and it's not something you just get overnight. But what is interesting is the lottery, and that's one thing I've been shocked that we haven't had any guys on the team that have been a part of that lottery system. Um, the U.S., with a lot of countries, has a uh, citizenship lottery uh, where I don't know if it's every year you can apply to be entered into it, um, but I've personally met several different individuals who have, you know, won the lottery and then moved to the States. So it's, uh, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. I mean, chances are, if you're a fairly accomplished handball player in your native country, you're, you're probably happy there. It's, it's hard to say. I mean, uh, I know where the the shining light on the Hill that people, people want to move to. I mean, um, you've, you've got the Guinea, the athletes from Guinea that play for, uh, New York city now. Yep. Um, they, uh, I don't think they've won the lottery. So I think their, you know, future citizenship status is in question. But, Togba, uh, Togba does have, um, a citizenship. He, he does have, or he has a, he's close, um, uh, to full citizenship. Towards it. Yeah. He's, so, he's, he's close. He's close enough to be, uh, I think in the conversation or something like that. Like it's, 
I forget what it was, but I remember last time I had talked to Vinny or someone that, you know, Togba was able to be a part of the junior team, uh, at least I thought. So I don't know, but that's a good lefty. Um, it was definitely Yeah. Yeah. good Well, you know, here. So. have you have you uh, watched any of uh, Yoav Lombroso, Israeli center back? Oh, uh, I remember. Us, I've I've not watched him play, Somebody, but somebody told me that he has an American connection. That guy's a baller. I watched yeah. I watched Israel's uh, qualification matches. Um, definite definite quality player. Um, so, um, I I'm kind of rooting against Israel just in case somebody wants to like go. Oh, well, I, this national team's not going anywhere. But Yeah. Yeah. who, who knows? Uh, you know, it's it's always uh, it's always interesting to to hear the different possibilities. We've got a good roster now. Um, but, uh, you know, if somebody has American citizenship and they want to wear the Stars and stripes. our colors and then, and, and, uh, you know, stand for the national anthem, hey, I'm all for it. Yep. Um, So we'll see. Who, we'll see who shows up. So. all right. Okay. Well, um, let's talk a little bit about weekend tournaments. Yes, the uh, tale as old as time here. Uh, the weekend warrior mentality for the U.S. handball system. Um, And your I'll be your, your Ohio State Buckeyes are heading out for a weekend tournament this weekend, right? Yeah, some of them. Uh, some of the we got a mixed bag of guys heading down to Blue Cup, uh, or Tar Blue Cup down at UNC. So, Mixed bag of guys. What's that? What's that? What's the deal with that? uh, I just took a poll to see who could go, and it was mostly our second team and a handful of first team guys. So, um, so they're gonna get uh, they're gonna get a pretty tall tall order. I think they got West Point and Miami in their group play. So Are you guys playing uh, the first team from West Point or the second team? I don't I don't remember and I can tell you it's not gonna make a difference. Uh I don't have a lot of confidence. That's I'm not exactly I'm not going the type of attitude you shouldn't have as coach. <laughs> I'm pretty pretty real with them. Um but uh it, 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 they'll they'll have a good time. So um I'm not going down there. So uh they're on their own. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. It's a ragtag, ragtag Yep. uh, Yep. group and a strong endorsement from their head coach. I understand you have other responsibilities. Yep. 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 So we'll see. <laughs> Maybe yeah, I know I gotta about it. Maybe, I, maybe, maybe I could have been like the uh, stand in, uh, coach. uh, stand-in coach. Yep. <laughs> um, so, it, yeah, it should be. I mean, obviously, Blue Cup's one of the oldest tournaments, um, you know, in the country. Between, and I'm saying not the national championship events, but between Blue Cup and Cal Cup, I'd say that. Uh, and Lip Lipov and uh, the West Point tournament are probably some of the longest standing um, domestic weekends. And, you know, typically, based on the locations I mentioned, they're not places where there's teams that can easily drive to. So you're either taking a Friday to drive down there or you're flying out Thursday or Friday, um, which as a result, you know, as, as an adult or a college student, You're taking, you're skipping class. You're taking a day off work um, on Friday for sure, potentially some Thursday. And then you're playing a ton of games in a short amount of time and then getting back to the road and, or the plane or the air or whatever to get back. So 
Yeah, it's 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 something that I think has evolved over time. Like I think I was talking on another podcast, you know, like typically it was just nationals where everybody would get together. And I know my experience in California is it was drivable between us and northern Northern California. Um, I think I went up to a tournament in uh, Vancouver a couple of times. Um, but it was just it, there wasn't as much crisscrossing uh, across the country. And I think the country, I think yeah. I think West Point played in tournaments in Quebec. And, you know, driving, and I think the New York teams drove there, and then West Point had their tournament. Um, but, you know, over time, um, it's evolved so that, like, everybody's kind of like, you know, they're they're staking a claim for their month to have a tournament. And there's only so, so many months in a year. And, th and that's, that's the whole other thing, that – I guess I'm a real old timer. I remember the season didn't really start until January. And then we got more Europeans coming in. And for people that aren't aware, Europeans have one season for sports, for everything. Every mm -hmm. sport is from September to May, June, or August to May, June. Every single sport plays at the same time. They don't have, they don't have football season, basketball season, baseball season. It's uh it's year long. Um, and that's, that, that seems strange, but over time we've kind of adopted handball. So somewhere somebody said like, Oh, we've got the, you know, the, our season runs like that. Um, and maybe it should, maybe it shouldn't. Um, what do you think? I think, uh, I, I on the, it's two different tales because, uh, I think on the college side, from a recruitment standpoint, you absolutely have to have some form of competition in the fall because if you have your involvement fair and then you don't have a practice or um, some you know game, that that recruitment event was essentially wasted. Um, so you know I would lean heavy on on the fall for college. Uh, obviously, it also I think helps a little bit that. You know, it's still not crazy busy in the gym, so you can get a little bit more gym time. But the downside is it conflicts with football season. And so now you're trying to schedule yeah, around. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but I think from, like, the club side of things, you know, I, our, our Armada guys, we show up when we want to. So, I mean, I don't really care when the season is. We're just going to show up uh, when we got enough people that want to play. So, if there's enough people that want to play all year round, we'll play all year round, but that's not a realistic thing. And I think what to about, your point, you might get better uh, attendance if it's like a set, you know, time frame. Yeah. One, one of the things I've tossed around, and I don't know if I've mentioned it to you before, is the idea of having the fall be kind of a, uh, and I'm speaking now more in terms of collegiate clubs, mm -hmm. have the fall be kind of like an open play time frame where yep. colleges play adult clubs and, um, you know, it's more of like a, you know, it's a experimental time, you know, you're playing, you're learning the game, but yep. then have a collegiate season starting in January to, you know, uh, nationals in, in March. And, and, and I know, 
I know some clubs would immediately balk at this because maybe we don't have the college clubs available. Maybe the competition is not a level. Probably talking West Point for sure here. Um, where you you would strongly encourage college on college competition and creating more leagues like uh, the Trailblazer, where the colleges would play each other, and that would be the focus um, leading into the you know the national championship. That's just an idea I've kind of thrown out there. I, I don't know um, um, whether people would 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 climb on board of that or not based on the some of the issues I just made out. I think uh, definitely teams in my neck of the woods would not be a you know I think to your point West Point is probably the number and UNC I think would probably be the two teams that would be the most you know upset with that kind of concept, but. Um, the other problem is just finding the right times in the spring because, you know, a lot of the schools are on such different schedules. We had, you know, for instance, we wanted to have a match day late January. Miami of Ohio doesn't come back till the last week of January, first week of February, because they have a, a December semester basically where they have a whole another class period in December and January. So then that throws off the spring break season. So all the spring breaks get staggered. So the bunch of, month of March is completely off the table. Um, you either have the first weekend of March, uh, and then after that, you won't have any free weekends where all, all teams are free. You have a couple holiday weekends in there between MLK and President's Day where it's going to be tough to well, I mean, that's, that's where you'd have to get fun. a little creative creative in terms of the scheduling where, yeah, you know, you, you would have, uh, you know, the teams that aren't going to school at the same time, you know, play each other. Right. Well, um, you know, and that would be that would take some organizations to to work out work out schedules for that. But it's it's something that could be doable. Um, uh, It it just it would take it take some planning. It take it take take an agreement and do that. And the other part, it would probably kind of trying we've kind of tried to do two things at the same time we've tried to have the weekend tournaments in league play and kind of treat them equal and I don't know how feasible that is if you're trying to do both yep I don't know if we can tell people with doing weekend tournaments um for some clubs it, they've turned into a nice little money maker for them mm-hmm. uh, I don't know how much you know because it's expensive to to host a tournament, but uh, I think they, some clubs do uh, are able to pull in some, um, some much needed funds for their efforts. We, we definitely used it as a fundraiser in the past, but I, I told the kids uh, there was more just laziness to not do real fundraising. So, you know, we have volunteer referees, which is the cost, you know, every time of, of the events. So if you don't have any referee costs and you, uh, the tournament essentially is, put on for free because uh, you get the facility for free. But um, I think one of the things that we try to do the, the last two seasons is utilize our annual weekend tournament uh, as a means to also get some of the crossover. Uh, I don't want to say crossover, but matches with some of the other clubs that are a little bit further away since they would be staying the night. So, cause otherwise we would just do day trips uh, with Columbus kind of being in the middle. So it allowed us to have games between 
Cincinnati or Miami with Pitt or Case since that's the furthest drive uh, in our region. So it kind of killed two birds with one stone. Um, but for the most part, we do prefer to just try to have one match day, have everybody plays two games. That's enough, you know, for a, a three hour drive. So, yeah, it, and, 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 and that's, that's a question of like how many games is the right amount of games in, in, a, yeah. in a weekend. If you're doing a weekend tournament, you're kind of forcing yourself into four or five games. Uh, yeah, I'd say five is usually the the yeah. normal, you know, for a weekend. I think yeah. I think two games a day is the max where you want and want to play before you start getting, you know, lower quality play. Um, obviously, big dogfight kind of matches, you really just want one, you know. Because you want, yeah. you know, the other thing is a lot of these teams don't think about a proper warm up. Yeah, you know, if you look at you look at college basketball as a comparison, probably some of the youngest, best shaped athletes in the world, and they don't play. There's only a couple conferences that play back to back games, like on a Friday, Saturday, as a cost cutting measure. Yeah, uh, NCAA tournament, you know, they have day race rest between their matches, um, and then a week off. You know, yeah. as they continue. Yeah. How did we get here? All right. And, and the reason I pulled up this Wikipedia page on the urban yeah. areas, uh, we'll, we're running out of time because we, we have another topic we want to introduce here. <laughs> but but real quick, you see the correlation on these metro areas? We got New York. Yep. We got a team there. Yep. Yep. LA. We got two teams there now. And there's yep. actually a, a bigger area, if you depending on how you split it up. Chicago. Yep. Miami. We got two teams, right? Yep. Houston's Houston. been around. I'll I'll count them as semi still existing. Yeah, they, Dallas. Yep. Uh, Philadelphia. A confusing kind of situation there. Yeah. All right, but the, the decent size. DC. DC. I, you know, I helped start that club. I'm sure the Georgia team is from Atlanta. Oop, went too high. They show up every now and then, so you um, know, there's still bodies there. Boston, yep. long-standing club. Phoenix, probably enough maybe to start a club there now. But, yeah, there's not, uh, yeah, they got a lot of excuses, but there's yeah. really no excuse not to have a team there. Well, when you got your best player, best resident <laughs> playing, playing for, for other Denver. Clubs, <laughs> yeah. Playing for Denver, playing for San Francisco, uh, you know, yep. that, that makes a difference. Detroit. You know, when I when Joey started his club, I kind of did some analysis. That's where I first did this. And I'm like, well, it's kind of got a good metro area there. Got a good Arab-sized population. Well, anyway, I, I guess you go down this list, and, and we can continue this discussion there. I mean, just look at what happens. There's, what, maybe three out of that list, out of the top 25 that don't have a team? Uh, it's, it's a very strong correlation. Yeah. And and then basically what it what it boils down to is there's enough expats to form to form a club. And yep. if you're doing weekend tournaments, the only people that are gonna go uh fly across the country are people that really love the game, mostly expats. Yeah, a few guys like me back in the day, and but we'll we'll hold this thought and we'll we'll continue yep. tomorrow. We we got a funner, funner thing to talk about. And so we'll I'll have to play. come up with a, a good uh, a good title for this segment as we Wait. bring it. I, I agree. Week. 
But, you know, JT did an outstanding job with uh, the Barstool folks. I mean, all the questions he was at, he really did a great job. But there were a couple of occasions where I just said, oh, <laughs> I just, what? So, <laughs> yeah. so here, here's one of them. Uh, I can't hear the audio, so hopefully. Uh, I'm not sure if it's playing through um, a recording. Yeah, well, we'll put the link to it. Tell, tell me when, but what, when here, PFT here's, here's what happened. PFT, right. you know, he was saying, okay, look look at these guys pass the ball. Man, you know, if only, you know, you had somebody like Jokic out here, like he'd probably be a good handball player. And I, I said, you know, on the court with these guys, absolutely. I did not make that clarification that that's where my mind was at. Um, in the scheme of Jokic being at an elite handball level, Probably not, but he'd probably be playing pivot because of his size, I would think. Um, he doesn't really have the jumping, you know, level to play a backcourt or a wing. He might even be a goalie for Pete's sake. So, um, but yeah, I think pivot wise, you know, it's one of those things that he just moves in slow motion. Uh, I think it's probably his biggest downside. But uh, in America, if you were playing, you know, he could probably just shoot over top of a lot of the, the guys he'd be going against. So, yeah, so I, I pulled up stance. a I pulled up a highlight reel of uh, the nice nice uh, what 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 do they call this in political circles walking walking back he's JD is yeah. walked back <laughs> way back way back way back so anyway and, and this is just a a YouTube video of Jokic doing Jokic things and I, I've watched him play a lot don't get me wrong yeah. he is he is one hell of a basketball player um. And I like to say that there's a 70% correlation, you know, with, you know, you take 70% of basketball players and turn them into good handball players and vice versa. And he is a super intelligent player. He's more athletic than people think, but um, he's just, he's, it's just not a handball buy. Right. Um, and that's what I was going to say. Saying, well, what position are you going to have to play? <laughs> and yep, it's yep. pretty much, it's pretty much I don't the the closest player you know the closest player uh, elite level. I'd say Christopons is it's what that, you know. It's and, the, and Christopons you know, is, is he's kind of a slow rolling guy, but I think yep. he actually moves a little bit better than Jokic. Maybe it's kind of a wash. So that he's, would be he's about probably the stronger best. too. I think, but yeah. Well, and, and here's this: Jokic would have would have worked hard to change his body to to do it because he, with his size and his bulk, he he meth, he's so methodical. You know, every almost all the players in the NBA that we think would be great handball players, they are super quick, jumping out of the gym type guys, and he is not that. He he, he correct. <laughs> he finds his spot. He assesses the situation. Well, this guy's guarding me. He can't stop me. He gets yep. double team. He's like, oh, I'll just do one of these passes to to somebody. That's wide, wide open, open. guy. Yep. And, and, and the other question I was going to ask you is like, oh, where would you put him on defense? I mean, it's other. Th I was What's just thinking when you talk about the passes coming at him. Yeah, he's going to clothesline the crap out of him. <laughs> he's just going to stick an arm out and get a two minute because uh, he's not going to move and just sticks his arm out, but. 
I was thinking, you know, just watching obviously these passes and things like that, you know, playmaker, you know, just from facilitating the offense isn't totally crazy. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I'd also, his hand size, I'm sure that ball, you know, handball would fit very nicely in there. But yeah, defense, I don't, I don't know. If, I don't, I've never seen him really play defense because he plays post, I assume, defense. I don't watch a ton he's, of NBA, it, Again, but. he's he's better than people give him credit for. He he puts himself in the right spot. And uh, you know, if he gets out on the perimeter, he's kind of he's kind of in, in a bad situation, yeah. but he generally plays somebody that can't play on the perimeter. But a seven footer, you know, he's gonna take up a lot of space and it just be an intimidating factor. But to your point, as soon as he's gotta play ISO with with, a, with an agile guy, that's going to be an interesting matchup. And you have to do that. That's why you, that's why you don't see too many seven foot handball players. It's yeah. you, you, it's it's there's there's no equivalent park in the middle defense in handball. You you have to be more mobile, or you're going to get. Uh, that's like our guys on our team. That's six eight and. You know, he's not the fastest guy on his feet. I mean, he's six eight, but it's one of those things that's like trying to find the right spot for him on defense to be able to utilize his size to to help us out, but also be quick enough to to stop, you know, because so much of the college level is just one on one play. So uh it's tough yeah, for him. And a lot of it a lot of it depends and and I've talked about how I was much better uh 6-0 defender than I was 3-2-1. And it was just that that couple feet on either side that I had to, you know, I didn't have my buddy. You're right. right next you got to add a little bit support, more space. Supporting cast. So it was it, it was just that that was that made the difference for me in terms of what I could do defensively. And hey, maybe about the only thing I could do better than Chokic is play, <laughs> play handball defense. defense. <laughs> maybe. Maybe, you know, because like I said, he's a pretty smart guy, better athlete than what people think. He'd figure out some way to to be good, but he would never, never would have been a star. And people would be asking him, why the hell don't you play basketball? Yep. Anyway, yep. well, J.D., yep. uh, was nice chat. We got a minute left. Um, any quick thoughts? No, we just got to come up with a cool name for that segment. As we'll we'll try every week to touch upon somebody's hot take with uh, you, with an athlete. If you have somebody you think that would be great, send them our way. We'll analyze some clips. It. You could even yep. you know do a short video of why you think he's great, and then we'll tear it apart. Yep. All right. <laughs> cool. For JD Orr, this is John Ryan, and thanks for listening.